John Clayton. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. Streaming live at 710sports.com. On demand everywhere on the 710 Seattle Sports app. Now, John Clayton. And John Salisbury here to do some four downs with Sean. Uh, I know that they opened up against two tough teams, Kansas City and the uh, Baltimore Ravens. But right now, how bad are the Houston Texans? Because this is a team that uh, aspires to be a playoff team, a Bill O'Brien team that has uh, the highest paid team as far as average salaries in the league. And yet they weren't competitive against these two teams. John, they weren't competitive at all. And that's a problem. Um, I think both Baltimore recent and Kansas City in the first week of the season, neither one of those teams really had to get to fourth gear, John, to actually to beat the Texans. I mean, Watson, as good as he is, has not played great. And for them to win, you know, like, for instance, you saw Kansas City. Pat didn't play great against the Chargers this past week, and he played really well late but didn't have one of his normal games. They still found ways to win, whether it's great field goal kicker, somebody else making plays. This team's not good enough. Now, they did a good job rushing the passer a little bit against uh, Lamar Jackson, but they're getting gashed almost 200 yards a game. I mean, they're getting pummeled physically at the point of attack. They're giving up all kinds of pressures. Watson's missing some hot reads, and those receivers have not stepped their game up. We said, well, you lose Hopkins, what are you going to do? They're, they're not very good, John, and it's not the fact that they're losing. I think most of us thought there's a chance they'd be 0-2 in those games. The problem is, is how they're losing. I, I can fix mechanics on a route and how to tie things up, you know, finesse-wise, but they're getting physically pummeled. And now they're going to Pittsburgh and have to deal with them. It doesn't get any easier. The, the Houston Texans are in danger and more than likely going to be down 0-3 with the way they're playing. And now you're in a chase mode the whole season. It's been pretty embarrassing that they haven't been competitive and neither one of those two teams played their best game. Yeah, how's the uh, fans reacting? Not good. You know, they're, uh, you, you know, you, John, you know, you're with me every week how, first of all, they feel about Bill O'Brien in the first place as the GM and the head coach. And then they look at a line that was supposed to be improved and they've like 67 or 70 throws that have been throws, not called the throws, 57 of them. They've been pressured on the quarterback, whether it's his fault or the offensive lines and not pissed or the running back or tight end. They've been pressured on and then their run game's getting gashed. So this, this team's, to the point their their patience their their heads about to explode because of what's going on and they expected better and nobody is taking their game to a new level and you have to if uh if in fact you're outmanned and nobody's been able to do that yet hey well let's get going with four downs all right gentlemen question number one here which team has suffered the most due to injuries this past week Oh, I don't. I, I think it's without question. I mean, when you look around, and I know that what happened to Denver—that's pretty close. I mean, you can't you even mix in Vaughn Miller, but losing Sut, uh, Cortland Sutton, and we know with Saquon Barkley or with with uh, what's going on with uh, Christian McCaffrey, but it's not close. It's San Francisco 49ers. You lose the best defensive end in the league, or going to be in the next year or so. That edge rusher and Bosa, Solomon Thomas. They already had Richard Sherman banged up. We know George Kittle was banged up. Jimmy Garoppolo is now out with a high ankle sprain. They've got Debo Samuel still out. The Mostert hurt last week. Tevin Coleman hurt last week. It is. It, it almost looks like it's fake. When you watch what happened to them, you look like, come on, this, this can't be true. It's, it's not even close. The Super Bowl reigning representative in the NFC, 
and they've got some work to do because all the other three teams are 2-0 and in the division, and you're going to have to overcome that. Kyle Shanahan's facing a difficult task. It's not even close by a mile. It's the San Francisco 49ers. Oh, yeah, no question about it. Because, I mean, the strength of that team, you know, was supposed to be obviously the quarterback. And I know he's not ruling him out, but it's a high ankle sprain. That's what Kyle Shanahan said. And, uh, you know, you lose you know, Nick Boza on the defensive line. Simeon, uh, you, you lose uh, Thomas on the defensive Solomon line. Thomas, yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. Solomon Thomas. And it's like, uh, you know, D Ford's always hurt. So that doesn't help. And then, you know, you lose two running backs. I mean, it's incredible but you're right about denver denver's in trouble too because you know they had to even sign blake bortles to come in to see if he can help out because jeff driscoll didn't move the meter at all filling in for the injured drew lock Cortland sutton goes on ir i tell you it was the most brutal weekend for injuries i can ever remember and we're all sorting through it right now to see what's left on teams all right it's early but after two weeks of play who has your mvp vote uh, to me, again, you know, to me right now, I mean, well, Lamar's been fabulous. Uh, we know Mahomes, but he had off, you know, a little bit of an off game. I, I personally think it's a two-horse race, and my pick was the guy that I think the most alarming statistic that, 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 that over the last half a dozen or since he's been in the league is that Russell Wilson's never received an MVP vote. That, that, that to me, is so mind-boggling. That also looks fake. I picked him on my show at the beginning of the year. I said, he's winning the MVP. Forget a vote. He's winning it. Now, I didn't know he was going to come out those nine touchdowns and play like this. I didn't know he could take it to another level, and he has. Aaron Rodgers close. Those two cats right now are, the, are right at the top of the league as far as the MVP, and Josh Allen may be third. I think those are the three. But right now, to me, if I, was, I wouldn't have to think twice. Russell Wilson's the most valuable player in the league, considering what he's got to do, how he does it, he continues to elevate his game, John. If this continues, we're looking at a monumental season. And, a su- and I quite frankly think they are far better right now than the New Orleans Saints. I do. I think the Seahawks are, are a better team. Russell Wilson's the MVP. Yeah, I don't think there's any question because, again, he's completing 82.5% of his passes. Nobody's done that, although I know it's a good start for Gardner Minshew. But he's getting nine yards an attempt. Uh, that's incredible. He has nine touchdown passes, and he's just been right on. And, again, it's better one of the two-game stretches I've ever seen. And so it's like with that in mind, at this stage, he's, I think, going to be the MVP. All right, we've seen Tom Brady now for two weeks with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but the Patriots have also looked well, looked good with Cam Newton. Are the Patriots better without this version of Tom Brady, or would he be better than Cam Newton? Oh, I think what they're trying, they're so different. What I do is I applaud the fact that, number one, Bill Belichick is such a good adjuster and game planner and the ability to change things on the fly that he took a quarterback that's completely different than Josh McDaniels has had since Josh McDaniels, since Tom Brady's been there. we got a, a pocket quarterback for 21 years and since Josh has been there, however long that's been, he's had to taught one way. Now he had to adjust his game plan and it's working. Cam Newton's healthy and he's playing for another contract and trying to prove to the world that they messed up this offseason. So listen, Tom Brady's going to be fine in Tampa Bay. They, while it may not be as smooth yet, they'll get rolling. It's, it's a process. Cam Newton's adjusted quicker to New England than Tom Brady has the adjustment in Tampa. It looks statistically so. 
this version of the New England Patriots where Tom doesn't have to babysit and he's a little impatient and Cam's playing with a little extra energy. I'd say Cam Newton is right now. Now, I'm never going to take anybody over, Brady, but for this version, I'll take Cam Newton. I think this could be the comeback player of the year. Tom Brady will be fine. They're going to make the playoffs, and they're dangerous in January. But i got to applaud Cam Newton, and i got to applaud the adjustments that offensive staff has made to cater to his skill set. It's been pretty impressive. Yeah, no question. I think that's just uh, it's been an amazing thing just to watch and see how they how he's done it. But uh, you know, Cam, you know, because he makes one point seven five million dollars, and uh, you look at him now, he looks like a thirty million dollar quarterback. I mean, he's able to run, he gets the ball downfield well. I mean, he looks sensational. So I applaud. It's like uh, you know, again, they're always going to be better with Brady. But again, it was time for a change, and the change right now is working. All right, fourth down here. The Broncos have signed Blake Bortles. Will this end up being a good fit while Drew Locke sits out with injury? Oh, you know what? They're going to be in trouble. And if they don't pick it up, you know, you're going to start to hear the whispers. And I'm a big, big Fangio defensive coordinator fan. People are going to start to complain, well, what's going on? Is he worthy of being a head coach? You're going to hear that. Listen, Blake Bortles is nothing but serviceable right now. I mean, uh, be- better than, than they have. I mean, Driscoll's still got some learning to do, even though he's been in the league a few years. Bortles been to an AFC championship game. Even though he didn't take them there, he helped get them there when they were running it, and he was running it. So, yeah, it helps. Uh, they're not a playoff team with Blake Bortles. They're not a playoff team with Jeff Driscoll. They may not have been a playoff team with Drew Locke, but while they wait and go through this, it's a nice insurance policy to help you at least get through games. Now he's got to learn the system. Uh, I, I think that it's obvious now the Raiders have bypassed with the way Carr's playing. The Broncos is what was supposed to be the second-best team in the division and the hot, uh, the hot item in the West this year, not named the Kansas City Chiefs and the AFC West. But this is just – it's a warm body that's got some experience that can give you some game experience. I don't think it upgrades them very much. No Cortland Sutton. This is just to get by and buy time with another body until he comes. I respect Blake Bortles, but he's no longer a guy. He's just and no longer the guy. He's just a guy. Yeah, no question. It's like this is desperation. But again, it says something that of all the quarterback moves, Blake Bortles had to wait two weeks into the season for anybody to take a shot on him. And you know who knows if he's going to play. All we know is at least for three weeks, Drew Locke is going to be out. We'll see if they stay with Jeff Driscoll. I'm sure they'll have to do it for this week and maybe next week. But overall, it's a messy situation in Denver. They've been competitive. They've been 0-2, but uh, they gave a good game to in Pittsburgh, against Pittsburgh. They did well trying to play Tennessee, but right now they don't look like a playoff team, and I know that John Elway is going to be taking a lot of criticism. But one thing we can't criticize is the great performance by Sean Salisbury. So, Sean, thanks for helping us on four downs, and we will talk on Friday. Thanks, John. I look forward to it. Appreciate it. Okay, sounds good. Hey, you can listen to the show via the 710 Sports app. It's powered by the Dubin Law Group. Coming up next, we are going to get the report card out, get some grades going. John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. It's time for the report card with the professor. And the report card we bring out every day, we look at the good, the bad, the ugly, the smart, the stupid, what people say, what people do. We take the stories, we take the anecdotes, we take social media comments, and we take the voices, and we attach a grade to it. DJ Wilder here with the report card. So, DJ, what do we have? All right, so first up here, John, uh, this story just came out about an hour and a half ago. We finally got the full test results of Sunday's Week 1 games in the NFL. 
And great news here, John. Zero NFL players have tested positive for COVID-19 coming out of those tests, and that, which also includes the Monday night football doubleheader from week one. A total of 36,664 tests were administered to a group of 7,845 players and team personnel from September 13th to September 19th. And from that testing pool, zero players tested positive. So, John, I mean, what grade do you give this? You have to give it an A because, I mean, you can see things are working right now. And we still need more results from Kansas City because there was one fan in the stands that uh, was able to uh, get the virus. But we haven't heard if there's any spread or anything of that nature. So I think that has to be good. And I think you can see how the NFL is responding. You know, what they've now done is that at least two or three teams, Atlanta included in that, uh, I think Tennessee, they're now starting to schedule some fans in the stands down there. And now what you wonder, would Seattle be one of the next within a week or two to see if they'll let fans in the stands? So not only are the players being safe, <clears throat> they're certainly finding the coaches of Pete Carroll had to pay $100,000 for not wearing the mask uh, that you have that going on right now. But I think you think you have to give it an A because it's so positive in the sense that uh, they're not getting positives on the players even though everybody thought it was just going to be a panic, a disaster, and everything else. And so the NFL, and you could say the NBA, uh, baseball, at least now uh, after the start with Miami, they've all done a good job. College, though, it's still kind of not going good. I know Notre Dame had to cancel practice today because they had about three, four players that tested positive. But I think you have to give this an A, DJ. I have to give it an A as well, John. Uh I, I I guess I could say I was a little skeptical of this working just because after we had seen the NHL and the NBA work so well after the first initial test when everyone got to the, those respective bubbles and that they ha- they've had zero cases of players and personnel and coaches and staff workers there and everything. So I was always skeptical with how baseball and the NFL were going to pull it off with, without a bubble environment. And especially when baseball didn't start out too great with Miami and then St. Louis – uh, that uh, to me, I was like, uh, that that's why they should try to do a bubble environment. But baseball has really done nicely since then, and the NFL. I mean, really, <laughs> the number of cases has been very minimal. It's a very good sign. And now that we're into week two, hopefully we can get the same type of results after week two. We probably won't find out about those until next week. But this is very encouraging, John. I got to give this an A. Oh yeah, no question about it. I think that's a sensational thing, and that's a, a very good grade. Very deserved. All right. Well, next story here, John. Jets head coach Adam Gase was asked about a, a, by a reporter about the, I guess I should say, the lack of offense from the Jets. And this is what he had to say. What's it going to take to turn this around? I mean, this is, you know, going on a season plus of, of really being able to struggle to move the ball. Like, what do you think needs to change for that to get back on the right track? Wait, what was that? Struggling to do what? Uh, this is a year plus of you guys struggling to be able to move the ball on offense. Like we, what, we were, we were moving the ball early. You move the ball. We got to finish in the red zone. So is this like a successful day for you on offense? No, we moved the ball at the beginning of the game. Then we had some injury issues. We we're down in two wide receivers. We didn't execute in the red zone. We got to put it in there to get seven. We have to stay with the other team. If if our defense is struggling, we have to do better on offense. We have to find a way to get in the end zone. We can't when we're kicking field goals. It's not. It's not going to help us if they're scoring touchdowns. 
hey, don't worry. We moved the ball well oh. in our first two drives. Don't worry. Uh, the don't offense worry, will no, be just we're, fine. We're fine. We'll be I mean, fine. That's brutal. I mean, you know, it gets worse and worse for him. And, you know, I, I, I totaled up. And, of course, I'm, I mean, he gets an F. And right now that F could lead to him getting fired. And, again, I like Adam a lot. I mean, I am a big fan of his father-in-law, Joe Vitt. You know, Adam's always been great with me. But you're talking about a coach that in the 67 games of coaching uh, in Miami and the New York Jets, he's given he's uh, lost by double digits 29 times. So, in other words, when you're looking at him, there's a 45% chance that uh, he's going to get blown out by 10 or more points anytime they go out on the field and he's calling the plays and making the mistakes. And, you know, he's got – I know that they're woeful at wide receiver. I mean, you know, they're moving the ball and it's like, hey, Adam, did you realize you only had four receivers to start the game, two got injured, and now you were down to two? Moving the ball doesn't mean anything. You lost by 18 points to a 49er team that was just injury destroyed. Embarrassing. F. Yeah, I gotta give I gotta give Adam Gase an F here too. I mean, congrats, you can move the ball the first two drives. I'm really, uh, I would hope they could do that. Also, I made a bold prediction trademark on Danny and Gallant where. I said that Bill O'Brien would be the first NFL coach fired. Yeah, Adam Gase is uh, making that prediction go in the toilet right now. He he has to be the first coach fired, right, John? Has to be. Has to be. I mean, it's just brutal what what you're looking at. I mean, it's like okay, uh, way to go here. Uh, but you know, well, no, it's, I think it's a pretty good battle between between him and Matt Patricia. I would put Patricia in the lead. Now I'd have to look to see where the bye weeks are. But uh, Patricia, he's now blown what uh, four consecutive double digit leads. Uh, in the last four games, uh, dating back to last year, and if you look at his in the, his time as a coach, his record's two seven and one when he has a double digit lead, and he's a defensive coach. And they obviously have talent because uh, who knows how good the Bears are two yeah. and zero, oh, yeah. whatever. But the Packers, we think they're one of the best teams in the NFC, and they were up double digits on them early. They obviously have the talent. Matt Patricia is just not a good coach, but. Adam Gase. Oh, it's so it's really bad. All right, next story here, John. The NFL has fined Broncos, Vic Fangio's Pete Carroll, and 49ers head coach Kyle Shanahan and hundred thousand dollars each for mask noncompliance. They were fined for pretty much just not wearing their masks on Sunday during the games while they're on the sideline, while the NFL's made it clear after week one that you need to be wearing your mask on the sideline. So I guess, John, what grade do you give the NFL and what grade do you give the coaches for being just not listening to rules? Yeah, I mean, I... This rule came out of the blue, and of course, you know, it's it's one that I think you can make the exception. I mean, the players aren't wearing the masks, right? And if you're the coach, you have to communicate. I think the assistant coaches should all be wearing the mask and all that stuff. I'm, I'm going to give a, a, a D to the NFL on this one. I guess you have to give a C or maybe a D to the coaches for not complying, but this is a bad rule. I don't like it. Yeah, I'm all about wearing masks and being safe, of course, yeah. in the middle of a pandemic, of course, but... These guys are getting tested every day, and these players, like you said, John, don't have to wear a mask, and they're tackling each other or blocking each other or anything like that the whole game, and they don't have to wear a mask, so why do the coaches have to wear the mask? And it has to be really tough for them. They're trying to communicate much farther than six feet. They're trying to communicate 30 to 40 feet away with masks on. How can these players even understand? Again, I'm all for wearing masks. I'm all for that, you know... We're in the middle of a pandemic, but 
I, I don't like this rule for the co- just for only the coaches have yeah, to wear. Yeah, yeah. So I, I have to give the I have to give the NFL an F on the on this. I just think this rule just kind of came out of the blue, and I think it's another. Even though they've done well with the cases, we were kind of criticizing the NFL that they weren't coming out with protocols until like a week before training camp. And this is kind of the thing that they're just still trying to figure out. So I just wish they kind of been better with their um, managing their time. No, um, so last story here, John. Uh, we kind of touched on this in behind the lines with Drew Brees only averaging 4.8 yards uh, through the air on each attempt. And he said in his press conference Monday, uh, in response to a question about that particular statistic, he says, well, my job is to ex- execute the offense. My job's not to have the most air yards or throw the ball downfield most or anything like that. John, what grade do you give Drew Brees' response to this statistic here? Uh, you have to give him a D because it's like, okay, you now again he admitted he didn't play too well in week one, but now it, it, he didn't play. He played worse in week two. At least face up to it, admit it. I mean, it's like you you didn't do well, uh, and it's like you know. I know you're not worried about the stats, but I think you have to worry about the team because, I mean, you're, the, the offense is not the same without Michael Thomas, and right now things are looking bad for the I – mean, again, we will over-dramatize this, I think, but uh, you know, I'm going to give him a D. Yeah, I got to – I don't know what grade to to give him. I, 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 got, I guess a C because, yeah, I get it. Like, quarterbacks shouldn't be paying attention to, the, to stats or anything like that. They just need to be focusing on their game. But we got to face reality here. You're you're struggling without Michael Thomas. I know he put up yards, but in garbage time, really. Like yeah. you're struggling without Michael Thomas, someone who complements your play style very well. And I think it's not a bad thing to talk about that. In it's just the truth. So I have to. I, I'll give him a C for his response. And uh, that's all the time we got for grades, John. Okay, and be sure to check out the professor's notes on seven ten sports dot com. Professor's notes brought to you by Infinity of Tacoma at Fife. Coming up next, we're going to go ahead and uh, take your text questions on the Vizzy Hard Seltzer text line. Texas at seven ten seven ten. John Clayton Show seven ten ESPN Seattle. It's John Clayton. Power through the Alaska Airlines studio. Two hours every day, 10 to noon. Streaming live at 710sports.com. On demand on the 710 Seattle Sports app. Time to go on a busy hard seltzer text line and take your text questions. And so, DJ, what do we have on the DJ? Uh, what do we have on the busy hard seltzer text line? All right, first up, John from the 360. With Irvin out, will the Seahawks look at Michael Kendricks or Shaquem Griffin or Clay Matthews? Do you favor one over the other, or do you have another name in mind? Yeah, because, again, it's, it's, it's not necessarily the linebacker they're needing. Remember, they had four linebackers competing for two starting jobs, so they're okay there. It's just that on the on the pass rush. So I have to think they've got to be in contact with Clay Matthews. That's got to be a consideration. You know, I was even thinking about this, too, is that uh, would it be worthwhile to even start to call up some of the older guys, you know, the uh, Terrell Suggs and guys like that. I mean, that could be a possibility, too. I don't know where Suggs is as far as wanting to play or not wanting to play. Uh, I didn't think bringing Ziggy Ansah back, but they're going to need to do something because, you know, I don't know how long Daryl Taylor is going to be out, but it didn't sound encouraging from what Pete Carroll said last week that him coming back from the NFI list. So I think they definitely need to do something because it's getting thinner and thinner and thinner, but they're fine at linebacker. By the way, uh, last year Terrell Suggs had six and a half sacks, yeah, and he's thir- he was thirty-seven. Mm-hmm. Um, John, we were kind of talking about this this morning. 
could they be looking to a trade? Because I, I was kind of thinking, okay, what if they looked at some team like the Dolphins? If they don't end up being as good as they think they they could be, could they look at someone like Emmanuel Ogba? He just signed a two-year, $15 million deal. He has 18 and a half sacks over four seasons. Uh, could they look at someone like that to trade for? Sure. I mean, let's put it this way. This is John Snyder. All options are on the table because he's always got his hands in just about any kind of a deal possible. Could that, that could be something that they can look at. Or, you know, you can look at some of the other teams that are not going to be very good to see you know, what you can do. I mean, again, you have to watch cap-wise what's going on. So, like, for example, the Giants aren't very good. And so, uh, you know, trying to make a trade for Olivier Vernon, that wouldn't work out because it wouldn't fit under the cap. But, uh, you know, something has to probably be done, and we'll see how quickly he can do it from the 509 if adam gase gets fired do you think greg williams will be his replacement uh for the interim yeah i mean you know because remember he didn't want to hire adam uh, adam did not want to hire greg williams ownership forced him to take greg williams because they they like what he does on defense and so he would be the interim but then after that they got to clean everything out and uh, you, you know you would think there's going to be a lot of changes because you know it hasn't worked out with sam darnold and again it was supposed to with adam gaze you know they were less talented at receiving Receiver. They made four changes on the offensive line. It's a mess. From the 509, big lifelong Detroit Lion fan here, living through misery. Would you say they're losing ways is more on coaching or from the ownership? It appears to me the organization does not care too much about winning. No, I think, I mean, they care about winning. It's just not very good at doing it. So it's like, uh, uh, yeah, you know, the problem is, you know, there was too many coaching changes on a lot of these teams. And, you know, then it throws the quarterback off. I mean, like, for example, in Cleveland, you know, Baker Mayfield, he's on his fourth offensive coordinator in four years. That can't help. But, uh, you know, it's it's a mess. From the 2-5-3, now that LJ Collier finally has some momentum, should we expect more production from him? Well, yeah, I would think so, sure. I mean, the one thing that may start to happen is that, uh, you know, they may have to, you know, corner him out and maybe, you know, put a little bit more on him as far as blocking. Would he get some more double teams? Because that certainly wasn't going to happen. You know, Benson Mayo, I think, is doing pretty well at what he does. And certainly Jamal Adams has just been amazing as far as his ability to come in and, uh, you know, get sacks and do all the different things and that. But, no, I think that uh, Collier's coming along like, like they had hoped to. They just didn't get him on the field enough last year. From the four two five, who do you have winning Sunday Night Football, Packers or Saints? Uh, right now, I have to go with the uh, Packers because uh, you know Aaron Rodgers is on, and right now uh, you can say that Drew Brees is off, and so I'd give it right now to Green Bay. From the two o one, o five, Sean Alexander, two thousand thirteen, Marshawn Lynch, or two thousand nineteen, Chris Carson. Which, which would you want, John? Okay, repeat those three again. Uh, Sean Alexander, his 2005 season, the 2013 season of Marshawn Lynch, or the 2019 season of Chris Carson, which would you want on your team? Well, I mean, you know, I, I, I right now I think that they're content with well, Marshawn would be number one, but I think as far as the season itself, you have to give it to uh, you know the 1800 yards that was there because again it's like no not neither of the two chris carson or marshawn lynch gained 1800 yards so sean alexander for that season but right now you'd have marshawn because you know marshawn's a borderline hall of famer uh you know sean unfortunately isn't going to make it and chris carson's a good young back who keeps getting better and better and better 
Whoops. From the 509, Professor, which Jets squad is the worst? The, this team under Adam Gase or the teams that were under Rich Kotite? Oh, I always give it to Rich Kotite because he was one of the worst coaches I've ever seen. I can't tell you how many bad things I've had to say about him through the years because you talk about somebody that's over his head and really can't coach. So I'd give it to Kotite being worse, but uh, Adam's not looking good right now. From the 509, if any head coaches get fired, do you think any of them might find their way onto another coaching staff for this current season or next season? Mm, I tend to doubt it. I mean, you know, I think there's enough. Because that's, that's the one thing, particularly, uh, you know, it's not like it wouldn't be permitted, but also it's like, uh, you know, you have to, with COVID's testing and everything else, I mean, do you really want to add different things as the season goes on? So I'd say whoever gets fired, because obviously they're going to be paid, they've got guaranteed contracts, you're not going to see them surface on another team. From the 509, John, how do you think Mike McCarthy is doing in Dallas so far? Uh, I give him I give him a C. I mean, you know, it didn't go well the first time. I mean, he's now had two bad decisions on punts, uh, you know, fake punts and all that stuff. But he had a great comeback, and I'm a big Mike McCarthy guy. But I think, you know, it's a C start because, you know, first game you've got, uh, you know, a quarterback like Dak Prescott, three great receivers, and uh, Ezekiel Elliott, and you only get, what, 17 points? So I'm giving him a C so far. And he also fell behind by 19 points right. to Atlanta. <laughs> Very true. Yeah, you can't really uh, forgive that going forward against the Rams on fourth and no. five on your own 20, only down three. Uh, from the two five three, aside from Jamal Adams, who has been the most impressive new Seahawk this year? Hmm, impressive new Seahawk. Uh, I think you have to let. Oh, I, I tell you, it's like, uh, is it Damian Lewis? And the reason I say that is that, uh, you know, according to Pro Football Focus, whether you believe them on offensive line grades or not, he was the second highest rated rookie uh, offensive lineman. Uh, I think it's second rated uh, yeah, blocker in, in the first two weeks of the season. So I think he's been impressive. Certainly Jamal Adams has been great. I think you're seeing uh, you know, certainly uh, Quentin Dunbar coming on pretty strong. I mean, again, I think they had a really good offseason, and that's why probably at this stage they're the number one seed in the NFC. From the 2-5-3, will Dak and the Cowboys scorch the Seahawks as much as the Patriots just did on Sunday? Uh, I think they'll get a lot of yards, and they'll probably get some points, but now it's a matter of can Russell Wilson do enough to be able to uh, you know, win the game. I mean, again, I think the, Se- the uh, Seahawks are favored, and they should be favored. I think they're a, uh, a better team, but don't take Dallas lightly because that's a really talented team. From the 907, John, do you believe Gruden is all in on Derek Carr now? Uh, yeah, because, again, he's up and down all the time, and he changes on a whim. But I think he has to be up on car because, you know, he got the win. You saw him dancing after the game in the locker room and all that stuff. And Carr was able to do some of the stuff and getting the ball downfield that he hadn't been able to do. So I think he's high on car right now. From the 425, John, French fries or onion rings? Uh, I, 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 there's certain French fries that I like, but I lean toward onion rings. Certain certain French fries, like so, like sweet potato fries. No, or? I hate. Uh, okay, I hate that. okay, yeah, that's, that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's see here. Two from the two five three. What's your score prediction for Seattle versus Dallas? Mm, I'd say right now twenty seven twenty four somewhere in that range. Seattle. All right, that's all the time we got for text. Okay, time for we're coming up here for our daily dose of the Gros with Dave Grosby. It's the John Clayton Show, seven ten ESPN Seattle. John Clayton. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. On demand with the 710 Seattle Sports app.
And time for our Daily Dose of the Graz with Dave Grosby. So two weeks of the season into the books and uh, you know, a pretty good start for the National Football League. Uh, you know, No positive tests so far since the start of the season. Uh, there's only one positive test from at least one fan attending the Kansas City game. And they did all the testing last week and everything came clean. So why are they uh, fining coaches for not wearing face gear when they're testing everyone every day, John? Yeah, that's, I'm, I, I gave that a D, by the way. It's like, uh, come on, what are we what are we talking about here? It's like, okay, the, none of the players, anyway, they wanted the players to wear masks, and not one player that I've seen is wearing a mask. Uh, I can see the assistant coaches and people like that, but the head coaches have a pretty big responsibility. You know, I can say, okay, maybe it's too much just to do the coordinators, but I think this is a ridiculous idea. Again, it's over, it's over management on that part of it i agree uh, it's it's for optics sake and you know if they're testing every day and you're doing all that you don't need to do that so uh outside of that i agree good a good good two weeks and a, and a nice looking stadium there in las vegas too bad no one was in it but it, it's a, it's a beautiful looking football building. oh yeah what'd you think of what did you think of the raiders they're one of my sleepers this year john i mean i i, I thought they looked good obviously yeah. i mean they benefited from from Michael Thomas being out for, for Drew Brees. But, um, you know, they took a few punches, especially from Alvin Kamara in that ground game early and, and uh, played very strong. And Derek Carr really, really stood out. So I think they got a chance to be, to be a factor this year. Yeah, I think so, too. I mean, uh, you know, they, they have a good run game. I mean, their defense held up. But I don't know. What did you think of Drew Brees? Do you think age is starting to catch up to him? Well, he looked great last week. So. He wasn't, well, it wasn't great. He barely completed 50%, 60% of his passes. He admitted well, it was Well, I mean, uh, it's true. Drew Brees' standards are yeah. more like 70%. But, you know, he, he, he played a – they won a big game against against uh, against Tom Brady. But maybe, I mean, you know, it catches up with everyone at some point. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll wait a minute, though. I mean, I'll, I'll give him a chance to get a little settled in and see what happens. But it's certainly a possibility. Everyone does get to that point and – and he, that includes Drew Brees. He's been amazingly consistent and amazingly good. And it's just the thing, you know, you notice any little bit, any little tiny drop off with a guy like that. And we've seen it in two weeks, but I'm going to give him a few more weeks. Before yeah, I, that, I think that's the fairest thing to do. Yeah, because, again, uh, it is it is tough to, uh, you know, try to go in there and do the best you can under the circumstance. But I think that, uh, you know, he didn't have Michael Thomas. That didn't work. And, uh, you know, and sometimes, you know, that's the one thing about Drew. Sometimes he doesn't play his best football when he's on the road. Right, which is uh, which can still be a factor. Although, I mean, uh, to me, as, as we we talked about, I mean, the big the big step out to me is that home field is probably probably not going to be, and we'll we'll see what the numbers say. Not going to be the factor that it is for a lot of teams because of the lack of fans and and uh, the defense not getting the extra step that they they normally get in front of a raucous home crowd. So that's a fact, but um, we'll, we'll see. Uh, like I said, we'll we'll give them a few weeks, and then we'll make we'll make our determination. Yeah, yeah, give, give them time. That's there's no question. It, you know, time is all going to be necessary. So I think that could be okay. So uh, Mariners, uh, you know, get off to a good start in this home series finale uh, against Houston. I mean, what they're three games out. They need a lot of breaks to be able to get in. But the fact that they're going into the last week of the season with something to play for, I think, is pretty respectable. Well, let's talk about Marco Gonzalez here. Seven and two. I mean, it's just uh, every inch uh, has developed into a staff ace. It's it's the signature move that Jerry Depoto has made up until this point, and and it, it looks like it's ready to stand the test of time. He's under a a, a fairly friendly contract situation, and and I thought was just was just nails last night. Look, looked every inch a number one starter, and, and he has for the entire year. And 
and uh, you know it, it, it's you know not not with typical stuff maybe you know not with the blazing fastball but great control great attitude great great temperament uh, on the mound he like I said he looks looks like a number one and, and has really had a a fantastic year this year and that's that's uh, that bodes very well for the future yeah it does and I think you know the fact that this team can learn a lot being the youngest team in baseball you know having these meaningful games at the end that's why you know even if you figure they're still going to figure fall a little bit short but if they can just somehow get to the weekend against the Oakland A's a team that clinches and uh, play well against them I mean hey who knows I mean the A's did clinch the division that's now in the books so but very respectable season for this football or for this uh, oh no, no, no the baseball team yeah, yeah. no doubt about it a uh, very 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 positive season, uh, despite the fact that that uh, you know, unfortunately, it's funny. It's a step forward for the for the team. It's probably like it is for everyone else. A step back for the organization because you didn't have uh, your, your entire kitty core of, of youngsters getting a chance to to play in the minors and, and improve that way. But but that's uh, that's neither here nor there. A, a more impressive year than they they certainly would have expected to have. Uh, I think they had on the major league level, regardless of what happens in the last six seven games. Yeah, no, no question. What? How do you think this series is going to go against Houston? Well, I mean, uh, McCullers was really tough for a long time last night. I mean, Houston is—I'd say there's something of a mystery, but uh, boy, they're they're really feeding into the dialogue that cheating made a big difference in that club, aren't they? Yeah, they really are. They're really—they really are feeding into it. They're, they're not playing particularly well, and they've had some injuries, and and then that's been a factor. But you know, Jose Altuve has been a different ball player completely. Uh, they have not looked the same. Now that they, they make the postseason, which is likely, and have a good run in the postseason, they can change that, that, uh, that dialogue. But I would, I would say that at this point, they've been, they've been a disappointment and, and, um, it, it's been a little bit of a surprise because, you know, they look to have a, a really stacked team. And, and again, it, it speaks to the, the advantage that they certainly did seem to get by, uh, by cheating. Yeah. And they've also had so many injuries. I mean, I yeah, think the Yankees have had more, and they made it. And you know, obviously, it looks like the Astros still can make it, but uh, it, it's not the same team. No, that, that, that's definitely a factor. That, that's a huge factor. It, it's an interesting, you know, it's, it's going to be an interesting looking postseason as you, as you look at, uh, you know, in the American League, the Yankees. You're right, are going to make it, but boy, Tampa is just—they've got—they've got the right mix, I think, with, with just tremendous pitching, and they've had a tremendous year. The White Sox. Emerged as as a as a as a team that's ready to go, uh, which was a, which was certainly a big story in the American League, much like the Padres in the National League, who uh, went for broke at the trade deadline, and and it looks like it paid off. They're going to be in the postseason as a second place team there. Um, the Marlins are, are are still in it. I mean, so are the Phillies for that matter. But the Marlins are are, are probably the biggest surprise story of all. Uh, you know, with, with right now they're in the postseason and they're playing better than 500 balls. So it's a nice, a nice race to the finish, and an expanded playoff should be fun. Yeah, it really should be. And of course, uh, baseball has made it through, and you know, somehow, <laughs> despite you know some of the bosses that work in uh, the baseball front office, I mean, you know, in in New York, it's like they've done they've done a good job of at least having a good season, and uh, now try to see how they can do in the postseason. Well, and in fairness to them, they were first. I mean, they were the, the first to try and try and figure things out uh, during during the midst of this whole thing, and and there were some hiccups for sure. But they did get their their act together, and and much like the winter sports, you know, they're 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 sailing towards the postseason. While while the winter sports are getting ready to wrap up their postseasons, it's been a very successful run for for basketball and, and hockey as well. Uh, anything new on the hockey front? 
Uh, it's just uh, that that the uh, Stanley Cup Finals are going. Dallas and, and Tampa. It, it's it's early into that series. It's it's an NBA night tonight. Uh, in particular, Denver. Um, boy, Denver came close the other night, uh, losing on a three point shot. But you know, down two zero, they're 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 very much in this series with the Lakers. That's a that's a very compelling basketball series. As is the Eastern Conference one, just because of the surprising performance of the Heat. Mm-hmm. No, no doubt. I mean, they, they've done a, a really good job, but uh, yeah, but I, and I, it still looks like the Lakers are definitely the team to beat and the team that won't be beat. It does look that way. I mean, but again, I Denver's down three one in their last two series. Uh, they are a very confident bunch, and I think. You know, I mean, a great shot by AD, the three-pointer to win it. But, you know, they, they very easily could have won game two in this series. I don't think they feel like they're out of class in any way, shape, or form. So uh, it's, uh, it's, it's shaping up to be interesting Western Conference Finals. And then, you know, if LeBron can get there in his 17th season, wow, more power to him. Uh, you know, just thinking about guys who, who, who were at the very top of their game uh, 15 years in, and it's a real short list, John. I mean, uh, there's a couple. Uh, Tom Brady's on that list. You know, he was still uh, certainly uh, at his very best in his 17th year. Barry Bonds was certainly at his best in his 17th year, although he had a little bit of help, as did Roger Clemens. But there are many guys who can who can maintain that high level of play and be considered one of the best in their sports after playing that many years. And LeBron James is, is certainly uh, certainly one of them. Yeah, no doubt. And of course, it's fun that, uh, and again, it's just so much fun that we now have so many different sports to be able to talk about and uh, be able to go. But it's always great with our Daily Dose of the Gras talking to you and uh, hope you have a good day. John, you too. We'll talk again tomorrow. All right, sounds good. And of course, uh, I'll be back at 10 tomorrow. It's the John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle.